and welcome to a special episode of uh, Fafo Cult. Today's episode is going to be about starting your gourmet mushroom business from the ground up. We're going to talk uh, to two different people who are doing that, me who have already done it. We got Trim, who is starting his uh, journey on this, and he's doing it uh, not only for education, uh, to help out uh, do community stuff, uh, but also because it's fun. Oh, it's the greatest. <laughs> Yeah. Do, well, so, you say uh, uh, do what you love, and you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah, until <laughs> it becomes work. <laughs> so uh, let's see uh, decision making process of how you start your gourmet business, uh, mushroom business. For me, it was pretty easy. Uh, the wife went to the grocery store to buy some food, and uh, while she was there, she had bought some fancy mushrooms. Right there was that. There's one of these really upscale grocery stores we have around here. Uh, and uh, she bought some fancy mushrooms and brought them home and made this dish, and it was super good. And I was like, wow, those are really cool looking, because like, they're all different colors. Uh, at the time, I didn't know what they were. Uh, some were fuzzy, some were yellow, some were pink. It was cool. Uh, they didn't taste like those crappy little button mushrooms, you know, like where, well, I associate mushroom flavor with shitty beef stroganoff from the early 90s, right? Like with like three right. cans of those button mushrooms that are like way overly canned and super slimy, sluggy, like uh, so I was completely packaged in garlic butter back in the day too. Ah, it's it, not not high quality garlic butter. <laughs> it's like garlic Crisco. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, so I was like, I was impressed. Like, hey, this is really good. Uh, we should have this more often. She's like, well, they're really expensive. And I was like. It didn't seem like there was that many of them. Like, and so I pulled out the receipt, and there was, she bought like, you know, two ounces of this one, two ounces of that one, three or four ounces of that one. Uh, and it was like, like 60 fucking dollars. I was like, what the hell? Like, is this, this is made of gold? It can't be that damn expensive. And so, uh, I like Googled how to grow gourmet mushrooms. And, uh, Kind of the rest is a history. Um, and my, and that was my, like way long time ago. Yeah. And uh, that was back, well, I don't even think, I think it was Yahoo Search at the time. Like, uh, we, <laughs> yeah. Well, my story is similar, but different. <laughs> many, many, many moons ago, and a lot of people don't know this about me, I used to work at a, at a commercial mushroom farm. And we had acres and acres upon acres of white mushroom mutton growing, or, or white button mushrooms growing. Correct. Well, yeah. every once in a while, we get these special mushrooms in from the satellite farms. It was called. And at first, I didn't know what the heck they were talking about. And then these mushrooms were always different. They were packaged in a different room, and they were handled differently, and everything. And I finally started getting into like what what's going on here. And they said, "Well, we pay farmers to set up these little." gourmet mushroom growing operations off to the side and then they sell their mushrooms back to us. We we paid or this company paid the farmers to set it up. And then they bought the mushrooms. Yes. And they would grow all your your portobellos and your enokis and your 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 commercially available gourmets. They weren't quite the ones that we see now as gourmets, but at the time they were they grew differently than a white butter. So they had to be grown in a separate building and that's that that kind of got the seed in my thought like someday i want to be a satellite farmer because they were making good money back there and slowly over you know i learned how to do it over the years that was, yeah, my that was just always the, 
Giselle is the kind of do-it-yourself guy, right? Like, that's me. It's like we ate something that was really good. I was wanting to figure out how to make it or do it, you know? Uh, like uh, we ate, we had some really good cheese one time, and so I got to cheese making. Like to try to – well, I'd already made like regular cheese, but I wanted to make that type of cheese. So, I mean, you know, it's just kind of always one of those type do-it thing. Now, that started a very, very deep rabbit hole, the, the learning to grow mushrooms thing. And this was quite a long time ago when, um, like, most – like, there was very scant information and in even print books, like, in our local library. So I had, like, uh, shitty Yahoo, like, uh, boards and GeoCity, <laughs> like, boards, which most of our listeners aren't even familiar with, uh, to go and kind of read information. Yeah, I, so I, I, I started – I'd visit those satellite farmers, and I'd have to fit- – probably you know make excuses to go help him you know fix some little widget or valve or something and i'd ask questions every time i was there and a lot of them did not want to share the information back then i mean that was like oh, nuclear yeah. secrets to get their their information on how they grew these things until you finally find the one guy that opens up to you but it was hard back in the day to get any information at all oh yeah it was impossible to find anything and that was straightforward step by step a lot of it was just fucking around and uh, a lot of it back then was still growing and like uh like hay bales uh, growing on like actual tree limbs and like stumps that you would like bury half in the ground and, uh, you know, cover with uh, uh, leaf litter and things and try to get it to grow as natural as possible. Yep. And uh, it wasn't, it wasn't until like, I guess the early two thousands that things kind of picked up and it yeah. started being like, Hey, you can grow these on uh, all these different substrates. And it became a lot easier to do. Oh, Man, yeah. Growing them back back in the day, it was – let's see if I can remember how we did it. We took, uh, like, some sugary water type stuff, picked out a mushroom you liked that looked clean from the middle of a clump, ground it up in the, into this uh, sugary water stuff, and then uh, it had some, like, other nutrients and shit in there. And then you would pour it over the area you wanted to grow the mushrooms after a couple of days with a bubbler in it. So you're basically making like the shittiest, most contaminated liquid culture possible and then pouring it over the area you wanted to grow the mushrooms in and hoping something happened after a yeah. week of the aquarium bubbler. Hopefully um, and it worked. And praying that your mushrooms were the strong in the group. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it worked. Uh, like yeah. it, it hit so many... Uh, I probably ground hundreds of dollars worth of mushrooms over several years in with a stick blender in buckets of, uh, you know, sugary water. Uh, yeah, or buttermilk or something crazy. Yeah. I have, some of them use buttermilk. The shiitakes use buttermilk. Uh, the enokis use buttermilk. But I think I don't remember what it was for the – this was a long time ago – for like uh, the – uh, the trumpets. It was sugar water and, and something. I don't remember what the something was. Uh, but I think it was something stupid, too, that we don't even think to use today. It was like, uh, I think, the Nesco milk powder for, like, kids. Oh, infant formula. Okay. Yeah. Or Ovaltine. But it was like this. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like, like Ovaltine. It was like, like for, for toddlers. It wasn't for, like, like Oh, meal, like, like meal replacement. I got you. Yeah. It was like that. But like like very weak. It was like one scoop per five gallon bucket. So like that one like one one or, gallon can last. What, what was that stuff they back in the Carnation Instant Breakfast? 
Probably something like uh, this. Was, yeah, I think my, I think this one was called Nesco or uh, N-E-S-C-O, and it was like it a sounds familiar. Yeah. Sounds familiar. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, you do that, and you put the bubbler on it, like just like aquarium bubbler, and you leave it alone for a week somewhere. Uh, you know, you put a top on it or stretch some uh, a little, a clear plastic over it and leave it for a freaking week, and then you uh, it would look all cloudy. And sometimes that was a good thing, and sometimes it was a bad thing. Uh, did it smell good? Did it smell earthy? You know, there was a whole bunch of stupid shit involved in it. And then you'd pour it out, like blend it up real good and pour it out places. And uh, it worked really well on hay bales. Like, you'd get whole hay bales growing. Uh, and they'd flush really, really well all at once. And then five-gallon bucket tech came along where you would, uh, uh, you know, like basically – uh, pour boiling water over your like hay and your sticks and your your uh, like shredded paper and stuff in a five gallon mm-hmm. bucket, and like basically bucket tech it. Then you would drill holes in the bucket and let the just water drain out, and then you would inoculate it with your serum crap, uh, and it would grow, and it would just all come out the holes in the bucket, uh, and uh, it worked. That worked. It worked pretty good. It was a little bit more successful. Uh, and then finally, it wasn't until like the 2000s where like uh, grain spawn and being more sterile and oven tech uh, got more like acceptable. Uh, and then you started being able to buy cultures like other people had got like clean cultures online. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was when it really like I started keeping like liquid culture jars and uh like being sterile, like sterile technique really kicked off in like, like maybe two thousand, like two thousand, like you know, two thousand one. Yeah. So. Yeah, and then we uh, started growing a bunch of mushrooms. Started growing a bunch of mushrooms. Tried selling a bunch of mushrooms. Um, experimented with a bunch of substrates. Nowadays, people are really lucky. They have a whole bunch of stuff to choose from. Right, you've got pre-made yes. substrates. You've yeah, I mean, God, you guys are scared so easy. You could basically look it's at almost something. Information, yeah. Almost yeah. information overload now. It's, it's, you, you pick it the way you want to do things now. It's crazy. Yeah. There's a million right ways to do things now. And back in the day, there was probably one eh, way to do things and a whole bunch of that's going to fucking suck ways to do right? things. <laughs> like one, one out of 20 successes. Yep. Yeah, if that, man. But back then, things were a lot cheaper than they are now. Um, like, you know, hay bales were only like, you know, four or five bucks a piece. So it was, you could buy quite a few of them. And so if a couple, if a, if a few dozen of them died, it, you know, it didn't really matter. Uh, right. Yeah, so that's, and it, it's evolved from there. So if we fast forward to today, how would I do it today? Step one is that I would go ahead and get a DBA or an LLC. If you're serious about doing this, get a DBA or LLC. Now, the difference between the two is an LLC is its own entity. It's a limited liability company. It's going to cost you a few. It's going to cost you a couple hundred bucks, um, depending on what state you're in. I think it's like 220 here for the filing and all the legal paperwork and the notary just out the door. Yeah. Yeah, um, it all it, like I said, it all depends on the state that you're in for that part, for the yeah. price. Uh, or you can do a DBA. DBA is doing business as. So, like, 
if if you wanted to have, let's say, butterfly kisses mushrooms, and you were like, you know, your your name was John Smith, you're gonna go John Smith, you're gonna re- go get a DBA, and you're gonna register it as John Smith DBA butterfly kisses mushrooms, all right? And you'll be able to sign then legally documents as butterfly kisses mushrooms. You'll be able to. You'll have a tax ID number. You'll be able to go then and uh, go get buy stuff wholesale. Register right. your get, business. You'll be able to get an Amazon business account or lots of other yes. business accounts. Yep, a whole bunch of different stuff. Now, there's there's no, there's no real protections for you as a DBA, whereas an LLC. So let's talk about the protections a little bit because I don't think people really understand that. As an LLC, if something goes wrong, if you're just a completely incompetent jackass, yeah, you, you, sell, death, you sell death caps to people. Yeah, yeah you sell <laughs> death caps to people as you know, pink, you know, pink uh, fucking trumpets or some shit like that. Then, uh, uh, you know, or, or lions mane because you're a jackass. You fucked it up so bad you can't tell the difference between two. Then, if you have an LLC, they can only when they sue you. Take what's in the LLC, things the LLC owns that are registered with the LLC. So like if you register your car with the LLC, the LLC should have its own separate bank account. They can take all the assets involved in the LLC, but none of your personal shit. You're not like your house, your car, your Xbox, your, your, right. your, your blow-up doll, You know none of that shit. They can't take any of that from you. But if you're doing knows. a DBA... Oh, good. Yeah. Finish. Go ahead and finish. No. Yeah. No. If, if, yeah. If you're do, if you're doing a DBA, it's open season because you're doing you are the business, so they can come after you for whatever. Uh, in this lit- litigious society, uh, and let you know, it's probably just fine. I started as a DBA. Uh, I still have a couple of small businesses that we do run to this day as DBAs because there's something that. You can't really fuck up that hard, you know, to just really screw yeah. anything up, like soap I mean, making, you know, stupid right. stuff like that. So, uh, but like as far as mushrooms go, a, D, a, a DBA is probably okay. Yeah, at this point of listening to this podcast, if you listen to the last 50 some odd episodes, you should freaking know by now what the difference between a death cat mushroom and a pink oyster. Yeah, right. and if you don't so, know the difference, you need to do a little more research before you start job. a business. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are you going to say? We're oh, I was going to say LLCs. Uh, LLC. One little slight tidbit, like you said, a separate business bank account for the LLC. Do not treat your LLC bank account as your personal piggy bank, because that will get you no. in trouble. Then it becomes embezzling from your own. Yeah, it becomes embezzling if you just start paying your bills with it. So you got to be yeah. careful with that part. It's embezzling. If you if you own it, I don't know. Don't fucking know. But you're still embezzling from yourself. Victim yeah. was fucking crime, but still they're gonna get you for it. Right, like because the tax man wants his money. That's yeah. what it all comes down to. Yeah. If you give yourself money for anything, give yourself a paycheck and you're fine. Yep. One thing that we do is that we have all of our vehicles owned in the LLC. So uh, we own, like, you know, it's like blah, 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 our name, Mobility Inc., right, LLC. And mm-hmm. so all of our vehicles and all of our stuff with motors, 
is owned by an LLC. We get cheaper insurance rates. Uh, we can write off a whole bunch of different things for different businesses, use them to transport things for different businesses and write it off. A whole bunch of cool shit. Plus, if you ever get in an accident, the worst thing they can do is take your car. They can't sue you personally. Yep. So LLC with your vehicles. Well, today in the way litigious you know, culture is, probably not a bad idea. Think of it as a, an investment. Uh, so a flight insurance. let's say you, you've decided now that you want to start your uh, mushroom company. That's great. Pick something. Don't grow everything. Yeah, you are not going. Yeah, you're not project, going to be able to grow everything well. Project creep is real. Oh God, bad, bad, real. So pick something. Like uh, I'd say, uh, if you're going to do mushrooms to sell to the public, uh, I would say that shiitake and lion's mane are going to be the two that are going to be the most profitable by far. Shiitake because yeah. everybody fucking loves them. Uh, lion's mane because of neurogenesis. I wouldn't even gorgeous. try to sell the fresh fruit. Yeah, I wouldn't even try to sell the fresh fruit. I would dehydrate it all and sell this powder online. Yep. Never even meet another, lion's know. mane powder with no fillers. You got to add that in there because that's no a big filler. thing right now. Yeah. Totally organic, no fillers, blah, 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 the whole nine yards. I would never do a farmer's market. I'd never set up at a farmer's market. I would never go through that version of fresh health. And um, make sure on now, your packaging that it says it's a supplement. That way you, yes. you get away from all the FDA rules as soon as you say it's a supplement. <laughs> if you are if you have your heart set on just doing a like direct to consumer uh, like farmers market type situation, go for pick something. Easy. Not shiitake. Shiitake is shiitake, don't do don't try to do farmers market shiitake. Shiitake are a one of those things you grow and you sell to two or three uh, businesses, and but aren't going to be reliable enough to sell at a farmer's market consistently all the time. Um, just because they grow in big flushes and then nothing, and then yeah. big flushes and then nothing. And it's um, a long, long time between the flushes. Yeah, big long time between the flushes. But when they when they flush, you've got shiitake coming out of your earlobes. But yep. if they freeze dry well, they... Uh, they dry well. They, you know, powder well to make different salts and spices. Yeah. And if you live in an urban area, you can have deals with a, a few like really high end restaurants and sell them what's in season for you. Like you, you can let them know, hey, I have shiitakes coming in season, and then they will change their menu and say, oh, look, fresh in season shiitake yeah. plates of this and this and this. And that's how you get around that. You never know; they're not predictable enough for a, a steady income. Yeah. If you're going to yep. do like uh, like your oysters and you want to sell those at a farmer's market, perfectly fine. Those you could set a you could set your clock by. Yeah, they're extremely like oysters and trumpets are extremely predictable. You can uh, you can have massive amounts of them ready every few days uh, at infinitum. The problem with that is that you can have massive amounts of them infinitum forever, and not have anywhere to sell them because everybody and their dog is doing the same thing. If you live in a big city, you have competition and a lot of competition with it. Okay. So uh, you definitely need to come up with a different twist on it. Yeah. Just selling fresh ones. Uh, sell uh, instead of, and I don't, I'm not trying to scare anybody away from setting up in a farmer's market. It's a lot of fun. 
If you're a people person, which I don't know any mushroom growers that are people persons, do you? Uh, <laughs> I've, I've never met any yet. I know I can't look in the mirror no. and see one. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, I've never met uh, like any mushroom growers that are like people pe- pe- people persons. Is. They're, uh, they're more of the, we like complicated technical procedures and really cool sciencey shit to get to a product. We're not like influencers, right? We don't, we're not like, yeah, man, everybody come on over, look at the mushrooms. We're just yeah, like, follow, buy our shit. Follow yeah, my Instagram. Know? Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're bad at advertising for ourselves. Yeah. Um, we pull, we pull up our pictures on our phone instead of us at the beach. We have pictures of petri dishes. Exactly. <laughs> I can tell you, I probably have more pictures of petri dishes and, and like, you know, uh, like oyster mushrooms and budding things and, and bags mm-hmm. of stuff stranded. Especially like I, everybody's listened to this for a while, knows how much I love my cement mixer. I have probably as many cement mixer pictures as I do of my daughter. <laughs> oh, by the way, I got to tell you the story about my cement mixer story journey. Okay. Because I recently got one. Ordered, oh! it off, ordered it off of Amazon. And I'm sitting in the uh, maintenance department at where I work, talking to the head of maintenance. And I'm looking over his shoulder, and he's browsing Amazon, and he's looking at cement mixers. And I was like, <laughs> hey, buddy, what you doing? What you looking at there? He's like, oh, I need a cement mixer. We're putting a new sign up in front of the place. And I just need a little, I don't want to call in a concrete truck, so I'm going to buy a cement mixer. He told me. I said, I got a deal for you, buddy. You, I got a cement mixer up here. You put it together. You can use it that once. I want it spick and span clean when you're done. And then I get it back fully assembled when you're done. <laughs> and I went out there in the garage. You out? He had, it took four guys to put it together. <laughs> I, I went out there today and it, it was all assembled and ready to go. It's beautiful. I was like, all right. And then the one guy's like, oh, no, we ordered one. You're getting one in a box back for keeping this one. I was like, no, 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 that was not the deal, buddy. <laughs> I, I, tell, I tell people they're such a – like, those are four mechanically inclined people. Yeah, they were right? maintenance like, technicians. That's what they do for a living is mechanics. Yeah. Build stuff, fix stuff, make stuff. And it took four of them. I tell you, like, if you're not, if you're not, if you're not mechanically inclined, it is, it is a bitch. Those yeah, things are ten out of ten difficult. They come in like two hundred and some odd pieces. Yeah, they said, they said the yes. spring loaded handle took three guys alone. You know, pulling different directions, oh, yeah. the thing in place. Oh yeah, that oh. was just me and my toddler trying to get that thing in place. It was a. It was a party. Yeah, I beat it the was system. A party. Oh, yeah, you did. Good <laughs> job, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, excellent. You're going to love it. It's going to so speed up your life. Oh, so, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, going back. Uh, let's see. I got a lot. <laughs> uh, we were talking about. Yeah, what were we talking about? Oh, like. Uh, yeah, so. Your cement mixer, yep. Yeah, if you're gonna do if you're gonna do a, a farmer's market, go ahead, guys. Uh, if you're gonna do that, I would suggest that you figure out how much you're gonna need. Add twenty five percent to that because you're gonna have some that aren't quite ready yet. Some that are like they're gonna be ready in another like twelve hours. We'll take those ones with you in a cooler to the show and put them out there on the desk and let people see them growing. 
Like that's your best advertisement you can ever yeah, have. That's how they know they're getting fresh app. stuff. Yep, they know they're getting yeah. absolute fresh stuff that way. Oh, people love that shit. Um, and that was actually how I got into the most profitable uh, thing for gourmet mushrooms, which is not the mushrooms themselves, but cut and grow bags. So a cut and grow bag is you have your substrate, you have your grain spawn, you make a bunch of grain spawn, and you add it to your substrate and you know in like two pound bags or three pound bags at the most. Um, some people will do five pounds, but I find that that's way too big for your average person. Mm -hmm. uh, and then let that fully freaking colonize until it is so colonized. It's solid white all the way around. And it's so ready to go that as soon as you poke the smallest amount of hole, it's going to fruit. And then you sell that in a little box. I went on Amazon and I bought what looked like, uh, I guess, Happy Meal boxes. They're basically Happy yeah, Meal boxes. They're, they're wedding but, gift boxes. Yeah, that's what they are. Yep. They're but they're black, you know. And, and I chose black because of my my company, and my logo looked really cool on them. And I just I went and I just print off a bunch of stickers with my logo, uh, and put them all over it with and then and a sticker that had instructions like, "Hey, take me out." I, I bought uh, I went on Ali AliExpress, yeah, which is like Alibaba, but it's like the Walmart version of Alibaba where you can buy stuff without mm -hmm. using like a like a through partner, you know, uh -huh. it's kind of like team you is now where you can just buy stuff and it shows up your house. And I bought a whole bunch of these like two ounce spray, spray bottles. bottles, like little, yep. yeah, I got I put one thing. of those in each. Yeah. I put one of those in each of the boxes, um, put my little logo on there, a couple of care instructions, threw in some swag, like a sticker. Uh, yep. I had a uh, print off a sticker with a, um, yeah. a QR put lipstick on, on the paint. Yeah. Lipstick on the page. QR code that had a QR code stuck in the bottom of the box, so that when they took it out, they got a QR code that says "Like us on Facebook, Instagram, blah blah blah," and they could take a picture of that uh, QR code. They would take them to the, the Facebook and Instagram, and then if they uploaded a picture of their cut and grow fruiting, they got twenty five percent off the next order, right? And yep. uh, people loved these things because yeah. first off, they have a shelf life. Where if you're doing growing mushrooms to sell at a farmer's market, your shelf life is days. It's like two days, three days. You have to nail that farmer's market day. And it, does, it takes a little bit of time, but you'll get it figured out. It's actually so predictable. You can set your watch by growing trumpets. Uh, uh, but, um, but the cut and grow bags, if you don't sell them one week, who gives a shit? Put them back on the shelf. Uh, leave them in the box, a nice dark place. Make sure they're labeled. Uh, so you don't sell the wrong thing to the wrong person. And uh, who cares? They'll be good on the shelf for like three or four weeks. So you can take them to the next one and sell them. And then sell each one of your kits for 25 30 bucks, 40 bucks, whatever you want. Uh, and the people will take them home, and all they have to do is cut the bag. Like and you, I took a little marker, and I would draw on the bag where I want them to cut. And it was just a little half moon flat. So flat across the top and then a little half moon on the bottom. And what that would do is the flap would open up enough to let fresh air in, and the mushrooms would push the flap up and out of the way as they grew out, but the flap would naturally lay kind of closed against the substrate to keep it from drying out. And then mm -hmm. once the mushrooms started growing, they had their little pump sprayer. They could they could mist them. Uh, the mushrooms didn't give a shit. Uh, they, don't, they, know they, don't, they don't know that the mushrooms don't care. They're getting all of their, their, their water from the substrate. 
not right. for you misting them. But people but it feel makes them like feel they're good. doing it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you don't give them a big bottle. <laughs> yep. And, uh, yeah, and then, uh, you know, they, they grow out. You tell them, don't mist them the day you're going to harvest them because you don't want them to make them soggy accidentally, right? Right. Uh, and then, yeah, they harvest them. And then now after you've harvested them, you're going to tape over that little area that you cut and move around a little bee and uh, move around to the B side and cut the little flap again and go again. And you can do that on all four sides. And then they need to rehydrate their uh, their block, which you can show them how to do. Just set the whole thing in a bucket of water uh, and weigh it down with a couple of dishes or glasses or a brick and leave it there overnight and take it out, let it drain for a day or two, put it back into fruiting conditions and let it go again. And they can get, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten flushes off of them. And that makes them feel like they've gotten a hell of a deal. Yeah. Um, uh, and then they'll buy one, like a pink oyster or a blue oyster, and then they'll come back and buy one of everything. You know, uh, and then you end up with people with their own little mushroom gardens. And that is to me really, really cool. Uh repeat customers is very, very big with the cut and grows are successful. People yep. really enjoy it. It's and they, a they tell their they friends, friends about over. it. Oh yeah. And that's where your Instagram and, and your social media comes in. That's where they know where to go to get it from you. QR code on the bottom of the box, man. Yeah. In the bottom of the box. Not on the bottom, but in the bottom of the box. So you just say, when they remove everything, the last thing in the bottom of the box is a QR code stuck to the bottom to take a picture of. Uh, yeah, it's some swag, a couple of pictures, I mean, like a couple of stickers. It goes a long ways. If you're doing cut and grows, try to keep them as cute stickers. Don't do like any of our offensive stickers. Um, yes. So, yeah, because oh, a lot of these are like, you know. I hate yeah, to say right? it, but if you're going to try and do a true business out of this, keep any illegal mushrooms separate from all your, your above ground stuff and cut it back. So to far separate. Yeah. Yes. Don't, I wouldn't even do any of the sketchy kind of mushrooms at the yes. same time that you're doing these. Uh because just just because once you get this going, it is very easy to make a decent amount of money on it. Like uh, for our my little cut and grow business, uh, not even trying, like not 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 advertising anywhere, but like Reddit occasionally, um, and then and then just talking about it to people, uh, and then having people just Instagram and Facebook, their 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 own, just from word of mouth. I was. Easily bringing up fifty five thousand cash a year. Of that, probably about forty of it was was profit. So, uh, yeah, it was it was like a very good part time job. Uh, and the way that you do that is you need to be able to make your own. Let's moving on substrate. You need to be able to make your own freaking substrate in your own grain spot, and you need to be able to do it profitably. In order to do this profitably, here is what you do. Is everybody paying attention? Do not buy the pre-made stuff. Do not use soy holes. They are more expensive. Do not buy the pre-made any mixes. You're going to make your own mix. You're going to go to the store. You're going to buy the oak and hickory uh, pellets from Walmart for uh, their, their oak hickory mix. For seven dollars a bag. Yeah, twenty-five dollar yep. a twenty-five pound bag is seven dollars. They're super super cheap. Then you're going to go to you can at Walmart sometimes the rabbit pellets are super cheap. If they're not super cheap there, you go to your tractor supply store and buy either the rabbit pellet or the alfalfa pellets 
for horses. So whichever one is cheapest. Sometimes the alfalfa pellets, which are about which are about the size of dog food for horses, are you know twelve fourteen dollars a bag. Sometimes the chi- the the rabbit food is you know ten dollars a bag. It just depends on whichever one's cheapest. But you want alfalfa, you're going to do seventy percent hardwood pellets to thirty percent alfalfa by volume. Okay, so if you have a scoop and you put the scoops of one in there, you're going to put three scoops of the other, all right? So, or seven scoops of one and three of the other to come up to 10, however you want to do the math. Mm -hmm. But you want to do 70-30, and that is it. If you want to, you can rehydrate that with hot water, with hot coffee. Throw in a little, like a pinch full of Epsom salt. Uh, But by itself, there's plenty of calcium in the alfalfa. There's plenty of nitrogen in the alfalfa. There's all the carbon and everything it ever needs from the oak and the hickory. Hickory has a mild antibacterial effect, so you end up with limiting your bacterial uh, infections in your your grows. It all works really, really well. You're going to mix that together, and it smells really good. It smells like like barbecue brisket. So it's not going to make your house smell bad. You're going to bring that to uh, field capacity, stuff it in the bags, pack your bags down really good, and that is your substrate to grow on. That you're going to have, like, people are going to be like, well, that's da 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 Guys, that is the cheapest way to grow the most volume of mushrooms you can come up with. I've tried every way. I've tried uh, buying hardwood pellets in bulk and uh, trying to buy the what do you got? Masters blend where they add uh, the soy pellets. The soy oil pellets are expensive here. And the soy oil pellets are missing some of the stuff that is in the alfalfa. The alfalfa has, like, when alfalfa breaks down by a biological process, it releases tricantinol, which we've talked about previously, that also your magic mushrooms really, really enjoy. It is a natural growth hormone that is going to at least increase your yields by 25 to 30%. So, uh, and welcome, Michael Nutty. You're finally alive. But, yeah, so that is that is how I would do it. That is the most economical way. If you can find it a better, more economical way. And I've seen people go to cabinetry shops and offer to sweep the floors and get all of those uh, that dust. Uh and use that. But my problem with that is you never know what they're cutting that day. Right. Sometimes they're be, cutting oak. Sometimes they're cutting cherry. Sometimes they're cutting treated wood. Sometimes they're cutting all sorts of different things. Um, and a little, and my problem is, is if it's not food grade, I don't really want to put it with my mushrooms because right. mushrooms are extremely good at concentrating things in their tissues. So if you're going and you're picking up, uh, uh, you know, some, Okabungo wood or Okabungo. That's the stuff that's super hardwood from Africa. That's toxic if you eat it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really, really beautiful. People put it in, in cabinets and pins and knife, uh, blades and tabletops and all sorts of different things. It's a dark yellow wood and uh, the wood shavings are just going to look like pine, but it'll kill you. It'll, it, it'll, it'll, it might, you know, make your mushrooms toxic to your, the people who are buying them from you. 
So you got to be super, 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 super careful. So I personally wouldn't do that unless I owned the cabinetry shop. Uh, I also wouldn't use like wood shavings from like your chainsaw. It's not fine enough. Uh, it'll work perfectly fine if you're going to bucket tech it or grow it for yourself, but it doesn't. It's not fine enough. It doesn't. Uh, how do I do this? It doesn't uh, colonize evenly. Yeah, it doesn't colonize evenly or quickly enough. It does. It's not biologically available fast enough for the mushrooms to consistently fruit off of it right. like clockwork. And, and for a business, what I mean, we need reliability and repeatability is two big things yeah. we need for for a business. Now, for home use, you can use whatever you feel like. Whatever you want. Yeah, home use. I would say I would even go as far as to say is just use uh, just straw and buckets because it's so much fast, so fast. And like so fast. Cheap yeah, and cheap. easy, yep. Yeah, if you're going to do just, like, if you just want to make massive, like, say you have, like, a, a wedding venue, then come up and they've contracted you and they're like, hey, we need a bunch of pink oysters because we're going to do, we're going to use them as, as a bacon <laughs> sub substitute. I would say get you a diaper genie roll, like, you know, the two, and a shitload of, uh, like, straw. Yeah, and we bring the we straw, straw and hay, whatever you got. Yep. Hay, yeah. And just bring it up to filled capacity in coffee water, shove it down inside of that thing, and layer in grain spawn and straw, grain spawn and straw, twist off the end, make a good 20-foot roll of that, and then hang it up in your spare bedroom basement or just outside on your back porch if it's temperate weather, it's not too crazy hot. Uh, let it sit until it turns white, put a couple holes in it, and like, you know, day five or whatever, and then you'll just get massive quantities. Like harvest them with a wheelbarrow level freaking pink oysters. One flush. One really, really, really big flush. One big flush. But real fast, real easy. And uh and that, like, that's, that's the way a lot it. of commercial operations do it too. They Yeah, they 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 pulse grow. Yep. Uh like that. Yeah. So that works out really, really well for them if they're gonna pulse grow in that manner. Uh people that like if you have a contract with a, a restaurant or grocery store, you need a continuous grow, which means that every third or fourth day is a substrate day. And every third or fourth day after that is a grain spawn day. So if you grain spawn on Monday, you grain spawn on Thursday. Then you grain spawn on Monday. Then you grain spawn on Thursday. And if you do that, then you, you, you substrate on Tuesdays and Fridays. And then you, you know, you get ready to do, you cut everything on Saturday morning, real early, to go to your, your grocery stores or whatever else. Or sometimes they want them on Mondays, so you have to shift everything a little bit. And but most likely you're... That's another thing yeah. to keep in mind. If you're going to go into business with mushrooms, doing it for delivery with fresh mushrooms like that, you do not get holidays anymore. You don't get vacation days. None oh, of that. You know, Everything goes away. You can't afford to. Like, uh, you, I mean, you can have employees, but uh, I found in my – that I am far too neurotic to trust something as delicate of an operation to somebody that's not me that I haven't, like, spent years training. Does that make sense? Like, uh, like if I don't know them really, really super well, then I'm, not, I'm just not going to – I'm not going to trust them to take care of it the way that I would take care of it. Um. And so that, that brings us to uh, making large amounts of economical grain spawn. Um, and my favorite for that is oats. 
I see people got all different types. Um, what do you usually do? Hello? Bueller? Oh, oh they're back. I'm having I internet issues. Okay. Um, I do 99.9% .9 oats myself. Yeah. Oats are cheap. They're readily available. You can get them for just a horse feed oats. That's all you need. Yeah. Just uh, don't it, it, get caught up with yeah. expensive grain spawn. Right. I don't use uh, oats because they're the best and all this. I use oats because they're the easiest to get, honestly. And that, it comes down to that. They're the easiest for me to get reliably. And that's why I use them. And I just got good with them. Yeah. I like oats. Uh, I do uh, my three-day grain prep with them. I like to ferment them. I find that my uh, contamination rates grow way down if I ferment them. But I'm doing huge batches at a time. So I'm not. it's not like I'm doing like, you know, four or five quarts at a time. I will say another thing is if you are good at grain spawn and you're good at making clean grain spawn, that is another very profitable thing that you can do. And I uh, actually, actually kind of sold that part of my business to another guy. Uh, is it? I was doing for a long time there because uh, I was really good at grain spawn. I did my feral three-day prep. Uh, I pretty much turned that into a PDF and shared it with everybody now, so there's no real mystery or, or uh, like secret, magic yeah. behind that, Yeah, which it used to be secret. Is that uh, because my grain, the, the grain spawn comes out so perfect, contamination-free, and it colonizes so quickly and so perfectly. So I would sell these twenty. I would do twenty-five pound bags of grain, gourmet grain spawn. Hey, this is a twenty-five pound bag of blue oyster. This is a twenty-five pound bag of pink oysters. Twenty-five pound bag of like you know uh, herculinum. So like your uh, uh, lion's mane stuff like that. And I would sell that to gourmet companies. To companies who are just growing mushrooms, and they have, they have, and it all they do is they do their their substrate, but they didn't want to pay to have like the lab and all the equipment, and because you can get away with uh, with gourmet sub like this, the 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 seventy thirty, you can get away with butts bucket teching this. You don't mm -hmm. have to pressure pressure cook this, uh, but you do with grain spot. So we would, I was selling already colonized grain spawn to these companies, and some of them were quite large companies working out of like four or five C containers. I would sell them the already colonized grain spawn for a premium because they didn't have to have the lab. They didn't have to have the pressure cookers. They didn't have to maintain their yeah, – uh, All the uh, time involved all, in pressure cooking. Yeah, or their, 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 or their cultures. They didn't have to maintain any – do any of that shit. They didn't have to check the cultures. They didn't have to do agar. They didn't have to do anything. All they have to do is send me a hundred bucks and get their twenty-five pounds of uh, grain spawn. And to me, all I had to do was make my grain spawn and inject it in three places with uh, you know ten cc's of uh, of my liquid culture and set it on a shelf for two weeks. Yeah. So I mean, it worked great for me. Worked great for them. And they always had it. I always kept it because. What was the worst thing that's going to happen is I'm going to use it, right? Uh, in bulk, anyway. So it's not, it's going to behoove you to do much larger size grain spawns. We're talking like the minimum size grain spawn I would do for gourmet would be five pounds, like five pound grain spawns. Mm -hmm. These little one pound, two pound grain spawns uh, that a lot of people do are in quart jars. If you're going to do this and you're going to do this at scale, that's profitability, 
you're going to want to use those uh, those ten by twenty uh, mushroom bags. You know, like the ten by twenty by eight. Yeah, uh, the big guys. Those are the ones. Yeah, those are the ones your blocks are going to want to be in. You're going to shoot for a uh, eight to ten pound block of substrate, and then you're going to add to that a pound of grain spot. And I say, wow, people like people who have done, you know, the 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 sketchy mushrooms go, oh, you're only going to add a pound. Yes, dumbasses. It's a completely different way. You're not right. the 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 substrate in gourmets is the food that the right. gourmets eat. The gourmets don't really eat the grain that well. They can gimp by and survive on it, but it's like Snickers bars, right? They don't they don't fruit very well from it. They don't do well from it. Um, they need to eat that. They're wood. going to digest the wood and uh, your alfalfa. That is their food. You're just using the grain spawn as inoculation points to get it spread throughout that substrate. Mm-hmm. So, and then I see a lot of times that people mess up is that after they've mixed up their grain spawn into their uh, their substrate, is they pack those blocks down as hard as they can. You just squished all the air out of it and made it anoxic, buddy. You can't do that. Just pick it up by the corners, drop it a few times to settle it all out, wrap the end the, the end over the top of it, and set it back on the counter. Don't squish all the air out of it. Like, don't compress that block down to nothing because it needs to breathe. Yep. Um, yeah, so it, it's going to turn into one solid block, even if it looks a little crumbly to you. That mycelium is so hard they build boats out of it. Yep. So uh it, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna turn to one big solid block. So don't worry about it. You're gonna be just fine. It'll reach out there and grab the crumbliness and pull it into one big piece. So it's okay. Just it needs air, it'll colonize so much faster without a problem for you. Right. However, you do your grain prep, do it in much larger things. I strongly advise against drippy corn or any of that weird stuff. With gourmet mushrooms, um, you're just you're, you're looking at too many bacterial infection issues. You're looking at uh, uh, expense and, and the ability to do it on a really big level. You're going. You try to do a five pound bag of drippy corn. You're going to end up with a quarter inch of liquid in the bottom of your bag at the time it's over. It's 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 designed for quart jars and small containers. It's right. not designed and, for full. And gourmets are. They're close, but they're just not the same as psychoactive mushrooms. They just don't. Uh, a gourmet mushroom typically is a primary decomposer. They call it. It means it eats the wood. Yeah. It eats the the you know the the hard stuff. Where your psychedelics in general are secondary decomposers. They're what, as we like to say in the business, the poo lovers. They like stuff that's already been eaten by something else. And they they think, like the composted stuff, which yeah. is why forest floor works so well because it's compost, right? It's basically growing in compost. So, uh, yeah, they're, 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 yeah, you got your primary decomposers. Now, they grow a lot faster. They, uh, they fruit a lot faster than your, um, your psychedelic mushrooms do. Like, they, they are very aggressive. <laughs> but they've yeah. been domesticated a very long time. You will not, you're not going, you're going to, if you're coming from a psychedelic background going legit with gourmet mushrooms, the mycelium is going to freak you out. You're not going to see the big, crazy rhizomorphic uh, stuff. You're going to see a slow white creep, like somebody's pouring white paint into your uh, your substrate and your grain. Uh, and that, that's just how it looks. It's been domesticated for thousands of years. 
It, yep. it, it grows a very certain way at a very predictable speed and fruits a very predictable way as long as a parameter uh, is met. And the, the, the therapeutic parameter, I guess the way I'd say this is like you're between no mushrooms and no mushrooms. You have this very wide area where, of, where you can be successful. Whereas with psychedelics, you have a very narrow area where you have to be, everything has to be just right for psychedelics yep. to work. With uh, That's the difference, I guess, between raising a wild coyote and having it not bite your face off versus raising a, a lapso-lapso. Okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. your, 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 your therapeutic window of success with uh, gourmet mushrooms is huge. If you keep them between 55 degrees and 85 degrees, and you keep the humidity between 90 and 65%, they're going to fruit. And, and they're sp- going to fruit. Speaking of windows of success, I, there, I would like to make a little PSA about gourmet mushrooms. If you want to have your lab in your house, that's fine. If you want to colonize them in your house, that's fine. But fruiting them in your house at business scale is a bad idea. You oh, want to have a separate that. area to fruit them. Uh, good, good, good thing you remembered that. Yeah, because yes. I, I totally forgot about that. They sensitize you to themselves, yep. especially the oysters. Oyster lung is a fucking thing. It's not growing in you, but you become allergic to it. Yep, you, they, and they release can, clouds of spores when they fruit. Oh, ungodly wow. amounts. Ungodly amounts. Like uh, a pink oyster will, will release so many spores, you can watch them float through the air in the, in the sun. Uh, and they're pink. Like everything about a pink oyster is pink. The mycelium, the culture on the dish, the fucking uh, the actual fruit itself, the spores. If you leave it on your desk for too long and it's been fruiting and you haven't eaten it that day, that evening, you're going to have a, a big pink circle on your desk where it dropped a bunch of pink spores. It's going to look like you spilled Pepto-Bismol. Yeah. Um, when I was setting up my grow tent in my new space, the guy was helping me set it up and I hadn't cleaned it yet. And we went inside. He says, "What is all this black stuff everywhere inside your tent?" I said, "Those are the spores from the last mushroom grow I did. I haven't cleaned them off yet. I mean, they were just everywhere. It looked like somebody had took black charcoal and just threw it all over the place in there. It's crazy. The worst, the worst is Rayshade. The worst, hands down, is Rayshade. Those guys like uh, produce so many spores. You can scrape them off the top, and it looks like chocolate milk powder. Like you cut cupfuls at a time." Definitely fruit them in an outdoor tent under some trees or in an air conditioned like uh, garage yeah. or something like that that you can put fans in and blow out if you get a bunch of spores in there. Uh, no. You're also going to want to wear like an N95 mask. Now, with you know? that said, I did when I first started growing gourmets, I grew them in my house, but I had them in a a big like a grow tent like you would like you'd buy, but a big one, and I had yeah. exhaust fans. Exhausting the air outside all the time of my house. It was not exhausting. Yeah, in my that's house. what I did. Yeah, I just so, ran. So that, just that ran, is a way uh, around that that one issue. Yep. I did run my my uh, just like for those those people who grow weed, right? I got like that little exactly. it came with inline a, fan, a weed tent. Yep. With yeah, a it's a weed fan. tent. I, that's the same, thing, same thing that I had, like a four inch inline, or when I was a six inch inline fan, uh, and I just put it to like that six inch flexible ducting, and then I got the little ducting to window like. Do that mm-hmm. to fit in my window. 
And so I could close my window on it, hold it in place, and it just constantly blew out. I, like sucked all the spores and everything outside. Yep. Even then, I still had spores I had to wash off the inside of the tent because they're kind of sticky. Oh, it's yeah, like they, they get everywhere. They're and everywhere. If it's anything, it's going to stick. But uh, that's a one way to keep it from jacking you up. But they're sensitizing. They will. Like Everybody's like, oh, I'm invincible to that stuff. Look at your long-term growers. Like They've been doing this for a long time. Um, that, that do gourmets, and they're on, that they're on YouTube. They're wearing an N95 mask every time they go in their tent. And it's not so they don't breathe on their mushrooms. So their mushrooms don't breathe on them. And so yep. they don't get any spores or anything like that. It doesn't cause them to have massive hay fever or allergy attacks because they are sensitizing. And yep. they will make – it will get worse over yep. time. So the best, best, best bet is to just wear a mask from day one. Yep, and you won't have to deal with that. I mean, it's like wearing earplugs yep. when you're shooting a gun. It just keeps you from getting the damage in the first place. And they're not poisonous. Yeah. They they just no. They build up over time, and they are an irritant to your body, and your body starts to reject them after a while, which causes like an allergic reaction. Mm-hmm. But, it's called uh, yeah, it's called so, mushroom lung when you get it, and it's 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 just like having the bad pneumonia when you do get it, and then you can no longer work with mushrooms party. again. Not a party. Not my idea of a good time. So uh, yeah, and then uh, so we've we've kind of covered all of that fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, don't let it turn you off from growing mushrooms. I mean, it takes a lot to get oh, to that point. I mean, it's not it's like every really soon you walk by a mushroom, it's not going to grab you. Yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna start with uh, if you're gonna obtain cultures, uh, buy good cultures, guys. Of uh, don't trade for them off of some sketchy guy on Reddit uh, or whatever. But go to some of these guys like White Oak. Uh, that White Oak guy was the guy with the big Mossy beard, Oak. right? It was really Mossy big. Oak. Mossy Oak. That guy's Masio, a great guy. That guy's, that guy's I, awesome. I've talked to him I, a couple of times. Not, He's really I'm, a, I'm actually trying to get funding to go visit him and do a class with him. It's going to be awesome. Ah, sweet, man. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, let's know how we can help you. Yeah. But, uh, definitely. Uh, but, yeah, that would be a – buy some of his cultures. He spent a lot of time perfecting his cultures. So buying a $30 culture from him, you're not just buying – okay, it's it's it's, ten, it's two times or three times expensive as the, the Etsy culture and the syringe. But you're buying years and years of him refining his culture. And you have you're a real person buying, that, that you can reach out and talk to about it and say, hey, you know, this one is doing this. And he can talk you through any problems you're having. That's that's worth double the price right there. Just having somebody to help you out while you're getting started. It's, yeah, it's awesome. You're going to buy a real culture that he uses to do his professional mushrooms that he sells. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're, using, you're, you're already buying a good, healthy line directly from him. And then you can keep your own cultures alive from there. Like take half of your syringe that you get from him and put it into a uh, – you know, a liquid culture, like a liquid culture court. So you have your own from then on, but you've at least bought your starters from him. And go back to pick one or two things. If you're going to be the trumpet person, be the trumpet person. If you're going to be the like uh, the oyster guy, be the oyster guy. If you're going to be the shiitake person, be the shiitake person. But you could pick pick two or three things. Don't try to do all of them. Like if you're going to be, if you live in a big Asian area. I would probably do a bunch of Enoki. Yes, Enoki are fast. Enoki. 
They're easy. They uh, they grow. You can grow them super, super tall by either doing them in the ground and just keep piling hay up over the top of them or bottle enoki or enoki in bags work really, really well. I've seen, uh, you know, those, uh, um, uh, I guess they're like those fiber pots that they put tomatoes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen people grow enoki in there, like uh, in those fiber pots, and they just keep piling hay on top of the pots. Like, it, you know, so it's like five-gallon pots. And so, you know, it's it's eight inches or nine inches thick, and then they just dump the pot out and grab the whole bundle of enoki, cut it off, and now they have the dip it in water a couple of times, or it's salty kind of water a couple of times, so it doesn't absorb anything. And then, ta-da, they have their tall enoki. You could do bottle enoki. You could do a bunch of different stuff. And you, you'll sell the living crap out of that to your Asian stores. Uh, or like your uh, shiitake. If you're going to do shiitake, though, remember, you're going to have big pulse flushes. You need to have an idea of what you're going to do with that. Um, yep. And you know what? Maybe you don't like going to farmer's markets or talking to people in period. One of the ways you could do that is you could buy a freeze dryer. Freeze dryers are not crazy expensive these days. They are a few thousand dollars. And that sounds like a lot of money, but they will finance them to you for like $200 a month. All right. And that is cheap. That's less than your power bill. Now buy a freeze dryer and be the freeze dried uh, shiitake person. Once you freeze dried those shiitake mushrooms, which freeze dry beautifully and rehydrate perfectly back to shiitake mushrooms. Can't tell the difference between the freeze dried ones and the fresh ones once they're rehydrated. I can't. Um, that you can freeze dry them and now put them into pouches of like, you know, a pound of, of uh, shiitake mushrooms freeze dries into about one and one and a half up to two ounces of, free, of shiitake mushrooms. Put them in the freeze dry pouches that way, vacuum seal them, and then put them on your shelf for 25 years. And then, so you, when you have a pulse, you can freeze dry, freeze dry, freeze dry package and put them over there. And then when you have a sale, you can literally take that package, pop it into a fucking envelope, and mail that bitch off around the world. Yeah. And if you're doing the farmer's market thing, that freeze dryer can also make you side income by doing uh, freeze dried candies, uh, Skittles, oh. Power and Laters, all that kind of stuff. Those flowers. Yeah. yeah. Freeze dried flowers sell really good. Uh, freeze dried pretty much anything, honestly. Yeah. Uh, and you, you can package well, we that got, stuff up real pretty and throw it out there on your table with your mushrooms and make a little more money. Yeah. Exactly. And it's yeah. all about the packaging. Freeze. The packaging sells more than the product. I hate to say that, but it's the People truth. eat with their eyes first. They eat with their eyes first. If it doesn't look pretty, they don't want it. Yeah, like like your your cut and grill block. If it's just a big ten pound ugly sawdust block in a bag, you're not going to sell many of those. You take that bag. That's yeah, just a huge Walmart make, bag. Take yeah, make, would cut it. <laughs> yeah, make make it smaller. Find a pretty box to put it in. Throw some pretty stickers on it, and it will sell ten times better. It's weird. But it's the truth. And the cool thing about that is is that you could take a couple of those blocks, cut them three days before you go to the farmer's market, and have them sitting out there. Like So you have most of your blocks under your table where it's nice and shady, right? Or in your trailer or in your truck or in coolers where it's nice and shady. Uh, and then you have like a line of like five or six blocks out there. But block number one in the front, so you have your line of like blue oysters. Block number one in the front is one that's already cut. That's three days old, so it's already fruiting, sitting up in its little box saying, cut and grow, you know, like as a demonstration of what they look like. 
mm-hmm. sitting right there. And the next one's like a pink, a yellow, uh, uh, you know, uh, so forth and so on down the line. And uh, people love that shit. Uh, so many people want to buy your demonstration one. It's like, no, you can't buy the demonstration one. These are exactly the same. This one's just cut three days ago. But they yeah. want that one. And it's like, all right, just you know, wait until the end of the day. If if you can have it at the end of the day, you can buy it at the end of the day. But I try not to to sell my demonstration one right off the bat, so right. that people know what what the blue oysters look like or what pink oysters look like and things like that. So, mm-hmm. and then have uh, it helps to have like a little sheet printed off with like four or five recipes on each one. Like, hey, this is uh, pink oysters can be used as a like. Here's a sheet that's underneath your pink oysters. And it's like if they buy a pink oyster, they get a pink oyster sheet. If they buy a yellow oyster, they get a yellow oyster sheet. Each one has four little ways to use those mushrooms. Um, cheap as heck to print. Go go get them. They're like you can get a million copies. Print it yourself. Really easy and cheap. But like for the pink oyster, I tell them, hey, if you fry these up in like uh, like lard or butter, you can use them. They they fry up in crisp light bacon, and they're great baking substitute. I have uh, made. Like, I know, have made a. Uh... Bacon out of uh, mushrooms, and it's really good, by the way. Just just say that. Yeah, it works really startlingly well. <laughs> and, uh, like, your yellows, your yellow oysters are fishy. So they do really good with, like, your fish soups, your fish stews, anything you want to add a little bit of, like, a sea flavor to. Yeah, and lion, your blues lion's mane is slightly uh, lobstery flavored. Slightly yeah, lobstery like flavored. Lobstery crabby. I've seen yep. people that break up that. And put it and use it to make like substitute crab rolls or lobster rolls. Yes, you know, I have a lobster roll recipe sauce. for lion's mane. And if anybody steals it, I'm coming for you. I'm just gonna say that right now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you have a couple of these, like you know, one for yellow, one for blue, one for pink, one for lion's mane. So if they buy that cut and grow kit, they not only get the kit, but you hand them that little piece of paper with like four little simple recipes you just googled up and, right. and threw on the paper. And you can even uh, list some of the medical benefits of each type of mushroom, too, because a lot of people are in it for the medical side. Yeah. And so uh, you, you, you just include that with there. It's like a value-added product. And people go crazy over it. They love it. Oh, man, this is so cool. Well, you know what? Let me get let me get that one, too. Let me get that one, too. But keep your – my price point for me was 25 bucks for a two-pound cut-and-grow kit. I maybe had a dollar ninety-five. In the whole thing, yeah, because I make my own stickers, and I would buy uh, I would buy sheets of pre-cut stickers, like from um, and I have a whole bunch of them here. Where do you get these things from? They're uh, I'm just opening up things. Avery, like uh, you get them from online. Avery mm-hmm. uh, is the brand, uh, and so I would buy the the, the, the stickers. You go on avery.com, the template. You design your sticker. You print it off. You get a shitload of stickers. And so you can put them all over your box. So it's not like you're paying a bunch for stickers. Your, your stickers are probably a penny or two penny a piece. Yeah. Your bag is, if you buy bulk bags, your bags are, you know, shit, I don't know, maybe less than a buck a piece. Uh, and your little boxes, if you buy the boxes on somewhere like uh, Teemu, AliExpress, if you have to, Amazon. Amazon, you're probably going to be paying about a dollar a piece for them. On uh, on AliExpress, I think I paid thirty three cents a piece for the for the boxes. They came flat, and we just had to fold them ourselves. So maybe a buck eighty five, a buck ninety, uh, including physical labor, because cement mixer, 
I'm mixing everything in the cement mixer. Uh, it's literally crack a beer, dump it into the cement mixer, press go. When it's done, tilt the handle down, let it just fall out into a big tub, and it's done. You know, uh, then uh, rehydrate it with boiling water in a cooler and let it sit for a while, and it's done. And then take it out and shove it in the bags, and it's done. So, uh, yeah, super, super fast, super, super easy, super, super cheap. And if you follow the recipe that we gave you for substrate earlier, your your substrate is is just maybe 13, 14 cents for uh, like a two or three pound uh, bag. Right. It's so yeah. super cheap. Like a 40 pound bag of your wood pellets is going to give you, God, I don't even know. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd have to do the math. But I mean, once you hydrate them, you get even more out of it. So because those things expand, yeah. like trip, triple their volume, I want to say, at least. Oh, easily. Yeah. And most of it, it, it like, your weight is is based on the, the whole weight of the everything, like with the, all of it hydrated. So I'd say I probably got about a hundred and hundred and twenty two pound cut and grow kits off of, or like two and a quarter pound. Or I like to make them a little bit bigger. So two and a quarter pound cut and grow kits off of one batch of the the big bag of the cheap oak and hickory and mm-hmm. the bag of rabbit. Yeah, about that. So yeah, maybe I mean, 13, 14 cents of, uh, in substrate. So like, economically, cut and grow kits work phenomenal. And this yeah. also works for your substrate to grow stuff on if you're going to do, uh, like, if you're going to actually sell your mushrooms. Yeah. So that's a full time job. That's It's a lot of work. It can be more profitable in the long run if you have great customers and you're willing to hustle. But boy, you better yeah. be ready to put in the work if you want to sell fresh mushrooms because it is you not an easy job. And, and you got to go and physically see your customers every week. They appreciate it when you show up and you say, hey, and you deliver the stuff personally. And you go, hey, I have X, Y, and Z. And I found in those situations, I always take like 25% more because I, you know, like if they order just like a ton of pink oyster. Then I like to open the cooler and go like, hey, did you see what else I got? Look at all of them, a beautiful uh, like black pearl king oyster. Or look at these king trumpets. Or look at this. And they go, wow, those are really pretty. Yeah, no, give me five or six pounds of those. Uh, and then uh, your mushrooms, it, it's really going to depend on what your market is. But, um, you know, yeah, they go 20, 25 bucks a pound. Pretty easy. Yeah. And it, it takes a so, lot of hustling, though, because – I mean, these restaurants yeah. are not—they're not—they're not out there getting crap. They want really good stuff, and there's other people that are going to be competing with you for their business. So, and me, I just—I uh, would rather just, you know, not have to play that game. And so I did the cut and grow kids, and uh, you'll see me advocate for those a million times. But they work so well; you can ship them. You just literally walk over to the shelf where you've already had them made, pick up a pink oyster one shove it in a medium-sized shipping box, print your label off online, and there you go. It's gone. Yeah, and you can um, start start this at farmer's markets, but that little that little sticker with the QR code that gets the people to your site, that's what keeps your business going because people are going to start ordering from you, and pretty soon 90% of your business is going to be on or through the mail. You know? Oh, yeah. Started at the Judy farmer's buys market. one, and, and Jennifer and Annie want one, too. And they're like, well, here, just Take your picker of this phone, you can get one. They don't have to go to the yeah. farmer's market. 
that that uh, the QR code thing was just it wasn't was my wife's idea. It wasn't my idea. She was a total freaking genius and that kind of crap. Well, and, V uh, is a like, smart woman. Take it out. Yeah, They're like when they take it out, the last thing they see in the bottom of the, you know, the, when they check the bottom of the box is a QR code that says "Scan me for social media." They scan it. They see that hey, they get twenty five percent off the next order if they upload pictures of their grow, you know, and say where they bought it from. And so they mm -hmm. link to your Facebook page, and yes. now you give them a little code to get twenty five percent off any orders online. And what they do is then their friends in Florida or all over the world see your cut and grow kit. And go, wow, that's really cool, Stacy. Where'd you buy that? And she goes, Oh, I got it from these guys. They're just so nice. And I go, Well, uh, and they go, like, Well, I have a discount code. You want to buy some stuff? And they're like, Yeah, let's buy some stuff. And so now you're shipping stuff to Florida and you're shipping stuff to New York and all over the place. And it yep. started off that we did it at uh at, at you know shows, and within like four months, five months, we never went to another show. It wasn't worth it. Yeah, you had became, so much orders, you didn't know what to do with them all, right? Yeah. What they, what they yeah, call it? Seven, seven degrees of separation, I think they say that. If you if you split yeah, it up with seven people, you can meet everybody in the world. I think it started yeah. out with Kevin. It, yeah. It's like a funny Kevin Bacon. Yeah, it was still. seven yeah. degrees of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> yeah, but originally it was but, seven uh, degrees of separation. That There's seven seven ways back to meet anybody in the world or you know connect anybody in the world from anybody. And it's, it's that true. All you have to do is get them to share your stuff. Can you go get me a red one? Yeah. Thank you. I didn't even know I had a monster in here. Nice. I looked over and I was like, I was like, holy shit, there's a dragon. <laughs> you're a tritops. Say you're a tritops. Triceratops. Triceratops. You got a dragon. Can you give me a, 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 a red one, please? Now you made me wish for a monster. Oh. That's how you are. It's a Coke. It's a Coke. We're going to get Coke Zero. Yuck. It's a Coke Zero. They're not as bad as regular Cokes. Well, I'm a construction worker by monster. trade. I'm going to go grab a monster so I can sleep tonight. But yeah, luckily, I, have luckily, one I, I have a gaming fridge right by my PC, so I should be able to grab it in like three seconds. Ah. Mine Don't got to the front room because it's currently an aquarium stand. <laughs> But, uh, yeah. Oh, you're so smart. You're so smart, Tiny Yes. Yes. You're the best. Uh, this is my last one say, that's not mango flavored. <laughs> I hate mango ones. Say dragon. Jacket. You're dragon. <laughs> All right. Man, she's growing but, uh, up. Holy cow. Oh, yeah. No, she is. Like back in the day when I used to use her as slave labor consistently for uh like she likes to stir things. You're a I've, I've, I've still got the very first box that you ever sent me with her decorations on it. I keep that. She she decorated the whole box for me. That was before she could walk, bro. I know. I think her yeah. hand is traced on it somewhere, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's Quite just busy. tiny little two inch yep. <laughs> little hand. But uh, that was one thing that we did is that, like uh, the gourmet business. It was a very family uh, gourmet business. My daughter is involved in all aspects of it. Like she would decorate the boxes for me when she was like, like couldn't even walk yet, little baby. I just give her markers and hand her a box. And when I was in there packing boxes, and she would just 
draw all over the box that go crazy for it. People loved it. And uh, so uh, I'd be like, they were like, oh, we got a, you know, we got a box. We know it's from you guys because, you know, it has your daughter's writing all over it. And she drew yep. smiley faces in her hands. And yeah. And, uh, but, uh, yep. yeah. And I, I'm a, a lot grumpy of old man. And I, it made my day when I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. That's the great thing about doing gourmets too, guys. Is you can be completely above board. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and stress it again, like we said at the very beginning, is that if you're gonna do gourmets, do just gourmets. Don't blur the lines between the twos, because eventually somebody's gonna want to come and look, or you're yep. gonna have, or, or the news is gonna want to come and and do a story on your business or something, and you're gonna have pictures of 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 magic mushroom shit everywhere and bongs and weed growing crap at you're going to get in trouble because that shit's going to go on the news yep. and uh, you're going to get raided. So if you're going to, you're going to, if you're going to do gourmets and you're going to sell them, you need to be above fucking board. I could tell you guys that a million times. And there's going to be some jackass. He's like, no, nah, I'll just never let anybody come over. And then they're in the back of one of their pictures is going to be a fucking bong or a goddamn, you know, like a fucking weed plant or a grow of a bunch of magic mushrooms. And they're going to get their ass raided. Yeah, yeah. What are those mushrooms there? Well, those are special gourmets. And yeah, that doesn't fly. People know what they are when they see them. Yeah. So, excuse me. Yeah, you're gonna get your butt kicked if you're gonna I mean, if you're it, gonna make it a business. You're gonna you're gonna make it a business, and you're gonna go you know, whole hog with it. Right. Uh, and if you're if you're if you like, I need the magic mushrooms in my life for your personal use. Before you start your business, grow a bunch of them. And freeze dry them and store them away, or and then just stop growing them. I mean, that's the best way, honestly. Or grow them in, under your bed, or like grow them in your fucking closet, or do something. Like, yeah, keep some, them somewhere away from somewhere. Your yeah, like keep them somewhere away from your damn business. Don't intermingle the shit. You know, like do it sneaky, like you're trying to hide from your mom. With don't, the, uh, like what's the whole thing. Don't shit where you eat. That's a good way to put it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, if you're like, I have, uh, I have a friend who I taught how to do the cut and grow kits, and I basically just kind of turned that shit over to them when I had to stop because we moved and my lab went away the last two years, which God mm -hmm. it hurts. I felt shit your pain. Hurts. But <laughs> I get my lab back. <laughs> I'm so excited for you. And we closed on the new farm, and I'm going to be growing the shit out of gourmets. Um. I've got so many orders for gourmet stuff and cut and grows. And uh, my, my new, a lot of people are. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, my new farm is coming along. Not as fast as I want it to, but it's coming along. I'm excited yeah. too. So we're kicking butt. Uh, we're going to do a bunch of gourmets. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, just so that we can kind of round out the farm with, with everything else. We can, we can offer like those, uh, uh, those specialty, like, the freeze dried uh, lion's mane stuff like that. Nice. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be kick butt. Uh, so that's yeah, what that's where we're at. Look, a dragon. That is a dragon. It is the coolest dragon. Whoa. That's Zizu. That's Zizu. That's Zizu. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, and the good thing about it is. It, it, Man, let's talk about value-added products. One more thing, another way to market stuff. Because you don't have to just market just the mushrooms. 
like mushroom salts are a big thing. Mushroom spices are a big thing. Your dehydrated mushrooms, whether they're powders or they're um, like yeah. uh, uh, just dehydrated whole mushrooms are a big thing. I even uh, have dehydrated mushrooms. I make my own mushroom steak seasoning, and it's really good. Yeah. It, has, it has a nice umami to them. Oh, yeah, definitely. So that's what, like, uh, what I think about that stuff, uh, dehydrated mushrooms, I think morally about, like, uh, your um, lion's mane for the supplement side of it. And I also think a lot about uh, your shiitake. Now, uh, we didn't really cover a lot of shiitake. Uh, so there's, there's two different ways to grow a shit ton of shiitake. Right? There is uh, big giant bags, as big bag as you can grow. And uh, you're going to colonize that in just the same substrate uh, that we've been talking about, your 70, uh, 30. And then you're going to uh, colonize that with your grain, spawn, then leave it the hell alone until it looks like hell. It should have a bunch of metabolites and brown streaks and just look dirty. At that point, you're going to cut it open, just Cut the damn thing open. Don't cut a hole in it. Just literally remove the whole top of the bag. Just cut the bag in a circle and set it on your your on your table, your desk, whatever. Put it in a fruiting condition. Put it in your tent and let it just go to crap. It's gonna. They don't form uh, like they don't form little. Uh, what do you call it, a man? They don't. They don't bud like the primordia. same way. They don't have primordia. Yeah, they don't. They don't form primordia. Shiitake are weird. They don't form uh, like little bitty, little bitty micro mushrooms before they get bigger. They don't do any of that. What they do is they just bud. It looks like a potato growing out of the surface. It literally just blah, out of the surface and then leaves a big old divot. Um, and uh, they look kind of gross when they're doing it. <laughs> yeah, they, they honestly shiitake do not make good cut and grow. For no, that's why they're, we, they're not pretty. Yeah. You don't, you wouldn't think something good to eat was coming out of that thing when they grow. I mean, they're ugly. No, they are. Uh, neither do neither do reishi because they reishi is really ugly too. Uh, you know, you but, know what um, is beautiful and I've never thought of doing a cut and grow on is the uh, chestnut mushroom. Those things are gorgeous. oh, dude, those are cool looking, man. Yeah, oh, I haven't done it either. I think you should try it, man. I think Please I will. I, I, I should have some chestnut. I'm, I'll check and see. If not, I'll but, call uh, you up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, the so the shiitake they do that, and then they're gonna fruit like crazy, just bubbling off of that thing, like potatoes pushing through the surface, all over it, split it all open. Then you're gonna take that entire block, which will now weigh. Uh, it was a five pound block. Now it weighs less than a pound. And yeah. just soak it in water. Styrofoam, yeah. Yeah. Just poke a bunch of holes in it with a stick knife. That's what I do. And then submerge it in water with a weight on top of it. Uh, because it's going to float like styrofoam. Uh, I, even, I even tried injecting water with a freaking meat injector. Oh, no, it just spurts back out, man. <laughs> yeah. It yeah I tried to... <laughs> the best way is just to put a weight on it in a bucket of water. And just leave it overnight. Uh and then it'll it'll flush and get it again. And you can get a lot of flushes off a shiitake block, like seven, eight, nine, ten flushes off them if you keep soaking it and going. So there's one way to do your shiitakes. The other way to do your shiitakes is plugs. So you will go and you'll buy these little quarter-inch dowels, or you can buy a 
big quarter inch dowel and cut it up into one half inch pieces. All right, and then you can go ahead and get you a drill bit and just drill a whole shitload of into an oak log or any hardwood log. Uh, a whole bunch of shitload of holes, just a frickin' ton of holes. You take your shiitake plugs and you just treat them like grain spot or mix them with your grain spot. Yeah. Uh, until the whole thing is inoculated. Then you're going to take your plugs out and pound them into those holes and that log. Uh, yeah. And I, I like to use pretty fresh logs so they're pretty wet on the inside. Uh, and then take that log and just go set it somewhere. Just sit out in the wilderness, in the backyard, somewhere in the shade so it doesn't dry out in the sun. Water it, put a sprinkle on it, water it, every, like whatever you water your grass, and leave it alone. Now, uh, one thing to the, the shiitake will take forever to uh, fruit unless you follow this one simple trick. Shiitake primarily fruit after a tree has fallen or been hit by lightning. So, two different ways you can make a shiitake fruit, uh, like your shiitake log fruit, after you let it sit there for at least 90 to 180 days. If, is that you could pick the log up over your head and drop it and just let it go, bam, 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 and hit the ground. Or you could go along with a, uh, like the backside of an axe. Oh, yeah, or the backside of an axe or a sledgehammer and just whack the crap out of it every few feet all the way down. Just slap it like a rented mule and just simulate a tree fall, and then it will, boom, fruit within, like, you know, five to seven days. It'll start fruiting and then just fruit like crazy for uh, several months. Uh, or you can cattle prod the shit out of it, which I've done many times. If I have a block of shiitake that won't, that I, like, hey, I need this to fruit right now. Even though it's looking ugly, I've cut the top off of it. I spray with a little bit of water and then run a taser or a cattle prod across the side of it. It just shot the shit out of it. And yep. ta-da! Within 48 hours to 72 hours, I've started got buds coming off of it. Uh, it, it. It just goes, oh shit, now's the time to do something. I've, I've had those not, oh shit moments where I'm thinking, if somebody saw me in my tent in here slapping the shit out of my shiitake bag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, slap the crap out of your shiitake bag. Just... <laughs> Like a rented mule, man. Yeah, just literally just like, oh, damn, yeah. Yeah. What did you say to me? Whack! <laughs> What'd you call my mama? I always <laughs> like shiitake like it rough. <laughs> they do, they do, they do. And so that gets your shiitake uh, fruity. And uh, I guess uh, that's kind of one of those pieces of information that you kind of only really hear here or in Japan. Like, uh, uh, I... I thought it was relatively common knowledge because in Japan, Japanese literature, if you go and read like the, in the Japanese language, if you go and have it translated with like Google translate, uh, you can read a lot of their, like, you know, their, their growing methods. And mm -hmm. it always talks about dropping the logs or heating the logs or, or slapping the bags or shocking the, uh, the logs. And you come over here to America and they're like, Treat it like a gentle baby. And over there, the Japanese are like, you whore, you fruit right now. You know? <laughs> that's yeah, that's crazy. Racist. Yeah, that's but, uh, slightly. Slightly. <laughs> wasn't meant to be. We love our Japanese listeners. If you would like to give us a sound bite of you whore, you fruit right now, oh, using your best my, Japanese my accent, dream we will uh, turn that day. into a uh, ringtone. And <laughs> use it relatively often on the show. I would love to go to Japan someday. That'd be so awesome. But we, that's, we don't want to uh, get on a tangent. 
Yeah. I was in Okinawa, but like on the military base for like a week and it was yeah, cool. But I, I really but they don't release they didn't really release us as like murdery human beings into, into the public because we yeah. were yeah. We were like, you know, like the, the actual door kickers and shit. And they, they're like, yeah, you guys stay we've over seen there. what happens when you guys decide to go drink and party. Like, people die. Yeah, so, and, J- uh, and Japan yeah. has way stricter laws for that kind of stuff. You don't want to mess around over there. Yeah. That's why they, why they don't have much crime, because when you do commit a crime, you pay. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so uh, it was really cool. Um, that's how you can go ahead and get your... Uh, now, for um, a little tip on the colonization of uh, your, uh, your Herculinums, so like your uh, lion's manes, uh, they look wispy. It's oh. going to look like light, light, fluffy clouds. They will fool you. Very, yeah, it's not going to look like it's it's... It's, it won't turn solid brick white unless it's so ready to go and suffocate to death and die. Uh, yeah. It'll look wispy, like you're looking through stretched cotton ball. Yeah, lion's know? mane will will literally fruit before you even put it into fruiting conditions if you aren't careful. It, it wants to grow. It's crazy. It does. It very much wants to fruit. So it's going to look super wispy. Like if you pick up the bag, it'll look like uh, wispy is the best way I could say. I don't know how else to describe it. Cotton. How else do uh, you describe it? Cotton. Yeah. Uh, like the stuff you pull out of the aspirin bottle off the top of it. Kind of like that wispy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's gonna. It's not going to look like solid white like all the other mushrooms you're ever going to grow do. It's going to look wispy, and then all of a sudden, boom, it just fruits. Uh, and that's just how it grows because it grows all those little teeth on it from all those little wisps. So yep. uh, that's just how it grows, man. It's just kind of weird. Yeah, it, it, you'll you'll be looking at your substrate like Jesus. This ain't ever going to colonize, and the next day you have fruits growing out of the top of it. And you're like, oh my goodness, I got to get this thing fruit now. Yeah, you know, if the entire bag is uniformly wispy, it's ready to go. Yep. Yeah. If it's if it's already turned white, that means it's already fruited on the inside of the bag. Yep. And <laughs> so, yeah, uh, lion's mane. That's a little weird one. Your uh, pink oysters, the mycelium is pink. Don't freak out. The metabolites on it are pink. People always go like, oh, it turned pink. It's bad. It's lipstick mold. No, dude, you're growing pink oysters. They're yeah, pink. A, a, a lot of your gourmets are not beautiful, white, wispy like your, your psychedelics are. They, they're they different colors. Yeah. They're brownish. They're yellowish. I mean, they yeah. just, they're not all the same. you got to be prepared for that. Yeah, so... Other than that, I think we've kind of uh, we've kind of covered everything. Yeah, um, if we, I don't think we've really forgotten anything. Um, on agar, that it's all tomatose growth. On agar, all your gourmets are tomatose. There's none yep. of them are rhizomorphic. If you've got rhizomorphic stuff going on with a gourmet, you don't have a gourmet on there. You've got some sort of contamination. Yep. Hi. Hi. Excellent. You're so Hello. beautiful. Yeah. You want to come up here? Yeah. Okay. Uh. You are. is a dragon. Is it color or is it a dragon? You are other other. You are other other co-hosts. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Yes, has graced us with her presence. Yeah. 
So we're about going to call this episode here. I think it's been a great episode. If anybody has any sort of questions, feel free to hit us up on our Discord. Feel free to shoot us an email. That'll be uh, fafflecult, uh, dot, uh, gmail.com. If you'd like to check out our Etsy, it'll be fafflecult.etsy.com. On uh, our Venmo, if you'd like to send us some money, uh, tip us, uh, tipping cultures all over the place. But we will use that money to keep this show going because right now it comes completely, completely out of my pocket. Uh, that will be at uh, Fafficult, uh That will be the at Fafficult will be uh, the uh, Venmo, and then the dollar sign Fafficult will be the Cash App. Uh, yeah, if you'd like to go ahead and say something nice about this, everything today, our nice uh, thing of the day, and then we'll call it a day, call it an episode. Absolutely. I, I have a quote that I don't remember who the heck said it, so we're going to say I said it. And it's about business. If you're looking to make a million dollars, don't do something that's going to make you a million dollars. Find something that's going to make you one dollar and repeat it a million times. It's way easier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's for certain. Uh, I'd say that if uh, you're going to do, uh, if you're going to go in a gourmet business all the way, do it. Put your heart into it. Give it a shot. Uh, you're 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 gonna make money at it if you follow the directions we give you here. Uh, if you don't, if you don't get sucked into trying to do it some some weird super bougie way, you're gonna make some money at it. If you do it yeah. how we've kind of lined up, and because it's coming from years of experience here, guys, it's not just we're like this is the only way to do it. We're not saying it's the only way to do it. We're saying that. Having tried it a freaking ton of different ways, this is the way that brought me to where I make an extra 55000 a year on the side without having to talk to another human being. Right? Just basically exactly. play with my daughter a few days a week in the backyard with the cement mixer, which let her push the on and off button, which she loves, and then... uh Put stuff in boxes, cute boxes. Let her put stickers on cute boxes and put cute boxes on the shelf. And then once a week, have the mailbox mail, mail carrier come and physically pick up the packages from the house. And that's it. And that's extra money. Yep. So, uh, and that's that's how I do it. And it works great. Um, and you can do it however you want. But find your niche. And you got this, guys. You can do yeah. this. Anybody can do this. And if you it's if a, it, out there decide to take this journey, come over to our FAFO Discord, and if you have any questions, reach out to us. We're always here. We're always online. And if we're not online, somebody there will be there to help you. It's a great community. Yeah, we're we're, we're happy to help you. We love we love our listeners. We love to help people. We love to talk to you guys about mushrooms. If mm-hmm. we didn't, we wouldn't get on here once a week and talk to you guys about mushrooms. Right. <laughs> it's the greatest. So. Uh, uh, yes, basically my positive thing of the day is going to be you can do it, guys. I have faith in you. Uh, if you just just follow the simple, easy way and don't get distracted trying to do everything at once. If you're going to do cut and grows, do cut and grows. If you're going to do fresh, do fresh. Yeah. If you're going to do preserved, do preserved. If you're going to grow for uh, restaurants, grow for restaurants. Yeah. Don't hey. try to grow for restaurants and do farmer's market and do cuts and grows and do preserve mushrooms. Unless you're willing to spend 365 days a year doing nothing but mushrooms. Yeah. Yeah. Pick Um, pick something 
learn everything you can about it and go at it hardcore. And then if you want to expand later, expand after you've already set up with the first one. Add it in increments. Exactly. That's, that's, that's the easiest way. And then you know what you can handle. You can say, geez, I, I'm not busy enough. I can add a little bit more here. Don't, don't If you do it all at once, <laughs> it's going to overwhelm you, you know? Yeah. And, and you'll quit. Exactly. But we have faith in you. We love our listeners. Uh, thank you, New Zealand. You guys are picking up a whole bunch of listeners from New Zealand. I picked up like 28 extra listeners, uh, unique listeners, on last episode alone. So pretty cool. Good job, New Zealand. New Zealand, eh? Yeah. Were they limeys, New Zealand? Or no, no, no. Kiwis. 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 There we go. I knew it was some kind of I think the limeys are the British. They kicked ah, the British out. Uh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, I'm American. I'm a dumb American. <laughs> now you we yeah, now no, you no, no, go visit. Now I can't take you to go visit over there. So let's just stab you. I want to go there too. I want to go there too. Dang it. I want to see where they had the world's fastest Indian at, man. That'd be awesome. Burt Monroe. Oh, yeah. That is pretty cool. Yeah. All right, guys. Love our listeners. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you in the Discord. Thank you, guys. All right, guys. Good night. Have a good one. I think that uh, went really well. I thought so too.